do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may be able to prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Romans 12.2 This is Resistance and Reformation on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. The centerpiece of the Tuskegee University campus in southern Alabama is the Booker T. Washington Monument. Upon a grand classical pedestal stands a remarkable bronze statue sculpted by Charles Keck in 1922. Washington is portrayed stately, dignified, and venerable, standing with his eyes set upon the horizon while one hand is extended toward the future. With the other hand, he pulls back a thick veil, the smothering cloak of Strabo, from the brow of a young man seated at his side. The young man is obviously poor, He is only half-clothed in stark contrast to the dapper presence of Washington, and he is sitting upon the symbols of his labor, an anvil and a plow. But he, too, is gazing off into the distance while he grasps a massive textbook on his knee. The inscription at the base declares, He lifted the veil of ignorance from his people and pointed to the way of progress through education and industry. The monument is a perfect tribute to the man, while his life, the long and difficult journey up from slavery to the heights of national influence and renown, is a remarkable testimony of individual sacrifice and achievement. The greatest legacy of Booker T. Washington was not what he accomplished himself, but what he helped thousands of others accomplish. From beginning to end, his life and career is a gripping tale of human triumph over human injustice. Washington was born on April 15, 1856, on a small tobacco plantation in the backcountry of Franklin County, Virginia. His nine years in slavery were spent in abject poverty, and while the uncivil war that racked the land in those early years brought even more hardship and privation, there was a sense of anticipation and excitement among the slaves. They even spoke openly about the possibilities of freedom should the Yankee armies succeed in their invasion and subjugation of the South. And and even though their prayers were answered, even after the war, the poverty of most slaves remained unabated. Young Washington's first memories were of the dire straits of his family, what they had to endure. It was in those difficult years that the essential character that made him such an effective leader was confirmed. He would later assert, I have learned that success is to be measured not so much by the position that one has reached in life as by the obstacles which he has overcome while trying to succeed. To be sure, his life became a living demonstration of that truth. 
Washington had always had an abiding hunger to learn, though he was not afforded the opportunity to go to school until he was in his teens. When he was 16, he gained admittance to the Hampton Institute, one of the first schools established for former slaves. He had to work full-time as a janitor to pay his tuition. Nevertheless, he graduated with honors in a mere three years. Upon graduation, he returned to his family and taught in the local grammar school. Before long, his mentor at Hampton beckoned him to return to that institution uh, where he would teach and serve as an assistant to the president. When the state of Alabama contacted the school about the possibility of establishing a similar college there, Washington was recommended for the job. Thus, on July the 4th, 1881, at the age of 25, Booker T. Washington founded Tuskegee. The obstacles facing him were enormous. There was no money, no faculty, no campus, no land, and no student body. Indeed, there was nothing except the resolution of the state to launch the school and the determination of Booker T. Washington to raise up the next generation of leaders from the rubble of the South and the legacy of slavery. Before his death in 1915, Tuskegee had grown to encompass a 2,000-acre campus of 107 buildings with more than 1,500 students and nearly 200 faculty members. Washington instilled his philosophy of hard work, competence, and community-mindedness in thousands of students all across the country who were making a substantive difference in the welfare of black families, churches, neighborhoods, and businesses. Washington made certain that the curriculum of the school not only emphasized the traditional academic disciplines, but also the virtues of industry, cleanliness, and personal morality. He believed that if young black students could learn these lessons, they could make themselves indispensable to their communities, thus accomplishing more to end discrimination, segregation, and prejudice than any political program of civil rights ever might. Besides the standard classical education which they received there, the students at Tuskegee built virtually all of the buildings. They even made and fired the bricks and cut the timbers used to construct them. They manufactured the pillows and mattresses for the dormitories. They tilled the soil and tended the crops in the campus gardens. They cooked the food and served in the cafeteria. Indeed, Every student was expected to acquire a practical knowledge of at least one trade together with the spirit of industry, thrift, and economy necessary to make an honest living. As a result of his efforts, Washington became a celebrity, much in demand as a speaker and lecturer around the country, and as a consultant and confidant to powerful politicians and community leaders, including the President of the United States, Theodore Roosevelt. 
though he was criticized by some because he refused to use his influence for direct political agitation, he had obviously begun the long process toward the reconciliation of long-sundered communities and races. Alas, following his death, his critics seemed to gain the upper hand in most civil rights organizations and institutions— Though he was a tremendous influence on Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., most other black leaders of the 20th century preferred a more radical and direct approach, a forthrightly ideological and political approach to the social and cultural change Washington had sought. But the continued exasperation of racial relations, the devastation of the black family, and the deterioration of black opportunity and mobility over the last 40 years or so has brought renewed interest in Washington's vision of reconciliation through the long but fruitful work of community building, industry, and family integrity. In the pantheon of heroism, Booker T. Washington's name ranks high, reconciling a nation and a culture riven with animus and prejudice is no easy feat, not by any stretch of the imagination. But then, Washington never pretended that such noble aspirations would be achieved easily or without great sacrifice. Success would come, he was certain, only after diligent labor, strenuous industry, and purposeful calling were applied in our lives, our families, and our communities. Such defeated, yet unvanquished principles are hardly popular these days, but if they are revived, then perhaps the smothering cloak of Strabo may be lifted once again for all, the ultimate mark of both resistance and reformation. I'm George Grant on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. For more information and for resources, go to georgegrant.net or adoringgod.org.